The Superpowers of the Soul Channel is brought to you by Superpower Experts. Visit superpowerexperts.com to unlock your superpowers today. You're listening to Superpowers of the Soul with Tonya Dawn Rackler and the Superpower Experts. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Superpowers of the Soul. This is Amora Kai, and I am <laughs> bouncing up and down in my chair, grinning from ear to ear today. I'm super excited to be here with you all as we get to tune in together about a subject so very near and dear to my own heart and enjoy a powerful conversation about conscious parenting in the teenage years with our awesome guest, Desiree Ferrari. Mm. Desiree is, I just adore this woman. She's a certified parenting coach who works with parents to help them reconnect with their kids of all ages, teenagers very much included, in ways that really help to heal relationships and bring them closer together. Desiree is a mom and a bonus mom herself to four amazing young humans in their teenage years. And she's just an absolute force in, in the mission to help people realize that How we raise our children is one of the most important factors in the future of our families, yes, and our planet as a whole. She is just a fireball of inspiring energy. She has such an incredible heart. I absolutely adore her, and I am thrilled to have her with us here today. Desiree, welcome to the show, love. Well, thank you so much. You have me melting over here. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Oh, of course, of course. So easy, so easy. I'm so glad you're here. I am probably pretty much like you, super eager to get chatting about conscious parenting and the teenage years and kind of yes. help bust this myth, you know, that, that seems to exist around how it's hard to connect with our teenagers or that we don't get to enjoy parenting once our children hit their teens. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, good myths to bust, I would say. And you and I have so much to dive into on this topic. And you know what? I'd love to get right into sharing some of these conscious parenting codes without any interruption. So I think we're going to go ahead and just take the short break now. And before we do, why don't we get you to just share where's the best place for people to go to connect with you? If you have teenagers, I have a group on Facebook. It is private to really respect your privacy so you can share openly. It's called Parents of Teens. I would love for you to reach out and connect with me there and let me know that this show is where you found me. So I welcome you right into the group. Mm, beautiful. Oh, what an exceptional place and space to go to share, to receive support and to connect. Excellent. We'll make sure the link's in the show page too. All right, everyone, you are listening to Superpowers of the Soul here on the Superpower Network, and we're going to be right back to get deep into conscious parenting and the teenage years with Desiree Ferrari in just a moment. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. If you're ready to transform yourself and transform the world through podcasting, we invite you to join us. We co-create a non-competitive, collaborative environment designed to support you as you step into your greatness. Go now to superpowerexperts.com and click on the Programs tab to get started today. All right. Welcome back, everyone. This is Amora Kai. And if you're just tuning in, 
Today, we're talking with Desiree Ferrari about conscious parenting and the teenage years. So, Desiree, I always like to start by defining some terms, you know. Do you want to shed a little light on what we mean by conscious parenting? I would love to. So to me, conscious parenting is rather than just we're just parenting like however it comes out or parenting how we saw our parents do it or parenting however we feel pressured to do it. It's more like really intentionally choosing how we're going to parent and understanding our reasons why we're choosing that. So it's very conscious and very intentional, very purposeful. Mm. Oh, I love that distinction. It's um, it's really, <laughs> you could call it awake parenting, right? It's being yeah. an observation of your choices and your behaviors. And instead of parenting by default, it's taking a moment. When I hear you say that, I think of, okay, I think of how far we've come, you know, in, in so little a time that to just parent the way we were parented, how does that even make sense in today's world? It's completely yes, exactly. different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I love that distinction. All right. So we're awake, we're in observation, and we're noticing that um, even so, oh my goodness, we sound just like mom, or we're doing it just like dad, or we don't know yeah. what else to do because we haven't seen anything else modeled. And we have these beautiful, gorgeous teenagers at home. And all of a sudden, it's a little different at home. <laughs> yes. Quite the same, right? Can you relate? Right. Yo, so much, so much. You have these sweet little snuggly toddlers that just can't get enough of you. And then all of a sudden, it's like you have this thing that emerges from its room only to feed and maybe swipe at you a little and then go right back and crawl into their hole. And, you know, it's just like, wait a minute, what? what happened? Like, where's my baby? Why are they so moody? What I just asked, do you need something to eat? And they snapped at me. And, and it's, it, I think when you understand kind of, you know, how teenagers brains work, it kind of takes a little bit of the pressure and the heat off there, but learning to work with that. But yeah, it's, it's until you do, it's just shocking at first when this kid that was so easygoing, so full of life and happiness just changes. And, and they're so grown that they, you know, they're learning to like use their own, your own logic again against you. And it can be kind of like disconcerting at first, you know? So yeah, it can be kind of a shock, like being just dropped in ice cold water when your kids mm. at the teen years. Mm. I love that. And it, because it's so, um, it's such a good visual of what actually happens when you feel a level of shock. Sometimes it's hard to stay conscious. Sometimes we default into our own triggered state and we yes. feel <laughs> a little uh, shocked into uh, defense, right? Or yes, confusion exactly. or some mm-hmm. of those things. So I bet you come across that a lot with people. Yeah. Maybe yes, experience it yeah. yourself. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Oh yeah. You know that you just kind of, you sort of lash back, like, like you said, in defense mode, right? Like you're defending yourself now against the child who feels like they're attacking you. Like, well, you said we would do this today. Or you, you know, you did this, or you, and it's like, and it's not that they're unwarranted with what they're saying. Their delivery of it might not be what we hope for. But then sometimes we don't even realize. Like I, I know I was one that would kind of respond to my kids like an angry teenage sibling. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like somebody has to be the adult here, and it's not going to be them. So maybe it ought to be me. Damn. Okay. You know. So it just, you know, it, it can. Um, it really it takes some kind of almost like preparation before you go into battle, if you want to say it that way. Um, you know, really to kind of get your ducks in a row and understand, okay, wait a minute, when they say this, like, take a breath, here's where they're coming from, here's how I want to respond. But until you get there, it's just like, you know, you're just sort of like your defenses go up and you just want to protect yourself from what feels like a verbal attack from a child you love and sacrifice so much for. 
Oh, I find that so interesting and so empowering because for so many other things in the world, you know, we, we have to get some training, right? We have to get some support. We have to get stuff up. Like, and somehow yeah. we're just supposed to parent uh, because we were parented. And as we referenced in the start of this conversation, in this world, that model doesn't exactly make the same sense anymore, given right? the quantum leaps that we are experiencing, how, you know, maybe fundamental values or certain uh, systems, traditions, things like that, maybe, but an actual parenting model, um, just on the face of it doesn't necessarily make sense. And so I think understanding and coming into that, maybe it's okay. Maybe it's uh, even more than okay to get support in this area, to get some help, oh, to yes. open myself up to some new ideas. I mean, even just turning yes. that corner, do you think that's, that's a big deal, right? Oh, so much. Like now I think on this side, I'm like, oh my God, why wouldn't you get help? I mean, if you look at the things, like you said, like to even be able to drive a car, we have to like study a book and get a license or like pass the test to get the license, you know, to do most of our jobs, we have to be certified or given a degree or something in some way. And we're actually entrusted with another human being's life simply because we answered our body's call and then gave birth. Like there literally was nothing to be able to raise this human, you know, and just something like simple communication skills goes such a long way. And most of us don't learn that either. So it's like, what kind of training or preparation did very many of us have going into this, most of us little to none. And the only training and preparation we got was the parenting that, you know, while our parents did the best they could with us, the best they had didn't really work as well as one might've hoped. And this is what we're, I hate to say going into battle with, but like, this is what we're using. These are the only tools we have to like build mm -hmm. the house, so to speak, you know? And mm -hmm. then when the house falls in, we're just shocked that it, it didn't work. Uh, I really hear you actually. I, I hear that a lot in, in families oh, because I think that what you are referencing around communication is really important. And, and from a couple points of view, yeah, a, a lot of us, you know, weren't raised with very conscious communication or in some of us, hardly any communication at all. But I think that, I don't know what you've experienced, but I've seen a lot of frustration in parents, especially parents um, who genuinely feel like they are communicating, right? So it's not yes. even that, right? Like I, I really, I'm telling you, I'm listening, I'm talking, I'm doing the thing. I'm so much better than anything. I had all of these sort of ideas and stories and it's yes. still not creating connection with your child, regardless of the age, but especially in, in those teenage years. And so do you find that too? There's that level of, I, I just don't even know what I don't know. And so I'm so frustrated because I really think I am so much because they really are like making an effort and they'll tell me like, look, well, I told them exactly what I wanted them to do. And I told them what was going to happen to them if they didn't do it. And they still didn't do it. I'm like, really? So you, you demanded something of them. You threatened them if they didn't meet your demand and they didn't skip along happily to do the thing. I am shocked. And at the same time, did not I do the same thing? I sure did. <laughs> I made the threat. I did, you know, and then my kids didn't comply. I was shocked because I complied out of fear when my parents threatened me, like I didn't want the thing. So yeah, it's like, look, what I clearly communicated at them, what I expected, and they didn't comply. I don't understand what went wrong. And I think just a lot of times as parents, we forget that we're talking to other human beings. 
They might be younger. They might not have been on the planet as long as we have. And these are human beings with their own thoughts and feelings and needs and preferences. And all of those things in them deserve to be honored just as much as ours do. And I think a lot of parents hold back there because they think that by listening to their child and giving them a voice and honoring their preferences, I think they think that's equal to laying down and letting their kids walk all over them. And that's not at all what I mean. What I encourage parents to do, and communication is the groundwork of that, is let's create a family that works for everyone. Not just for the parents, not just for the kids, but a family that works for every member of the family. Mm. That really brings to mind how often new parenting models, you know, when we move from like that dominant parenting model that you're just referencing there with the have an expectation, you don't comply, here's the punishment, what went wrong. Mm -hmm. When we move away from that into sort of a conscious parenting one, it gets mixed up all the time, doesn't it, with permissive parenting. And all the time. not the same thing at all. Those are mm-hmm. not the no. two choices here. <laughs> Those are not the, right, the, right. the only pillars we're talking about. So let's talk about that for a minute. Like, what is the difference between, um, you know, discipline and values-based communication that you might find in a conscious parenting model versus the lack of any of that, let's say, in, in permissive parenting and the overly um, punitive, right, role and dominant role and dominant parenting? Where is that middle ground? What does that look like in a conscious parenting model from your perspective with teenagers? Oh, I love that question. You know, we all, I think almost all of us are familiar with the dominating paradigm, dominating, geez, let's see, dominant paradigm. There we go. (laughs) And it's kind of, I say you do end of story. Oh, and if you don't do, here's what I'm going to do to you to make you suffer for not doing what I demanded of you. And although no one ever uses those words, if people are really honest, that's really what, that's what we're communicating to our child, whether intentional or not. And then with permissive, it's just kind of like a free-for-all. I always imagine the parent just sitting on the couch while the house is falling down around them because the kids are running wild and running the show. And that's not really, but I mean, that's my extreme, like cartoonish version of it. And it doesn't mean that the kids are eating, you know, ice cream on the carpet at 2.30 in the morning watching cartoons on a school night. Like that's, you know, that's not at all what I'm talking about when I say like, you know, conscious parenting and this really like involved intentional parenting it's it's really sort of a happy medium if you imagine taking the best things from all of those like you know like in the dominant paradigm what parents want is a lot of times is compliance right and they want to feel like there's some sense of control or some sense of order right but if you work out a relationship that's connected with your kids where they want to work with you it's not really compliance but everybody is working together to meet the same goal So ultimately, you're getting really what I think is a more satisfying way of reaching whatever your goal was. And because everybody is now invested together on it, it, it's a lot different than the parents just pulling, pulling, pulling until the kid finally gives in. And then with permissive parenting, instead of the parents feeling like they have no control, you know, and then the kids, you know, dominant kids have no control, permissive parents have no control. This is a way where it's not even about the control. It's just that everyone knows that they matter. Everyone knows they're going to be heard and seen and felt and worked with, right? We get to work with each other instead of just kind of sitting down and hoping for the best. Mm-hmm. There's so much in there. Oh my goodness. There's three ways I want to go <laughs> to pick one. <laughs> so good <laughs> Because it's speaking to so much. Number one, 
what I'm hearing you say in all that is that you're working with your child, right? Not, not against or over top of your child, but what right. is important becomes the goal, becomes the shared value, becomes the, the level of connection and communication, not the sort of black and white, you did it or you didn't do it. And I don't even know right. your thoughts about it. I don't consider you a person, right? Yes, and so right. what that teaches somebody who is growing up and then going out into the world to, you know, meet other humans, collaborate with other humans, be able to communicate yeah. with other humans on various yeah. levels. What a springboard, what a modeling. I mean, we all know that most of us learn by by seeing, right? We, we mm-hmm. don't necessarily learn by hearing. I don't know if you've noticed that, right. but you can say things yeah. 10 times <laughs> in all these different ways. And it's what you do right? It's, it's mm-hmm. the space you create that really matters. But, but more often than that, what you're speaking to here for me is I often talk about how we need to be parenting for a lifetime relationship with our kids, right? And not just for yes. until they turn 18 kind of relationship. Right. And that's the real gift that I'm hearing in, in what you're relaying and why we would want to do this. Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. I mean, you're you may legally be responsible for your child only until they're 18, but what do you want your relationship to look like with them after they're 18? Like, do you want them to call and say, hi, hey, I'm okay. Do you want them to come over for dinner? Do you want them to invite you over? Or do you want them to like not want to talk to you because you don't listen to them anyway? So what's the point in calling? You know, like your relationship will extend with them for life. So what we build with them now is what's going to really determine what that relationship looks like later. Mm-hmm. It's true. And you know, how often have you seen when you're, when you're going by a model of, because I said so, because I'm bigger than you, because I'm scarier than you, because mm-hmm. I'm more power than you, because I have more money than you, that runs out, doesn't it? Exactly. So it does. That's, that's not, that's not the best model. That is not right. going to be something that you are going to love for life. And so when right. you're seeding this, when you're investing this time and energy, it's for everyone. And that's the other part I like about it. it I feel like, you know, dominant parenting and permissive parenting, one is like just all for the kids in a way it's not, but you know what I mean? It's, it's centered right. as if yeah. it's for the kids and the other one is centered as if it's for the parents. Well, this, it's a win-win-win model. That's that abundance for all model where it just keeps getting better the longer it goes on and that's not the way and these other two. So, so let's, you said something in there, let's circle into, you mentioned listening. (laughs) And so I think like what I said at the beginning, right? Most of us, what most of us has been taught is quote unquote, listening is really far from it. Most of us think we're listening and we have no idea. We have no idea that we're not. And so I think that that frustration kind of applies from, really frustrated, well-meaning parents who are super upset at that lack of connection they feel at some of the stress maybe coming up in their lives between mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, the household during those teenage years, because they truly think, I mean, I hear this all the time. I like, I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm listening, but they're really not. So let's yeah. have your take on it. When we say listening, you know, when you're talking about listening, what are you really meaning? What does that look like? How's it different from what we, we're doing when we think we're already listening or really not. Yeah. Well, it's sometimes like, okay, I heard the words that came out of your mouth. Now back to me and what I said, it's like, okay, <laughs> but you're, you're, you heard the words, but you're not actually doing anything with them. Right. So the idea with really listening is to say, okay, when my child said this, what did they mean? How did they feel? What did they need? What were they asking for? What were they communicating with me? What did they need me to see 
And how can I show up for them right now? You know, and we just kind of, sometimes we skip over that part. And a lot of times, and this, this is nothing wrong with this. Cause again, this is kind of how we all were, you know, brought up is we're concerned that now it's not going to be convenient or comfortable or easy for us. Like, Oh, well, if you want that and I want this and we can't both have that exactly, then if I give you what you want, then I don't get what I want. And it's like, okay, but what if you actually worked together to say, okay, this is what you want. This is what I want. What can we work out? And if you would honestly brainstorm with your teenager, it's amazing sometimes what they'll come up with. And you get to kind of see the compassionate work or the things that you've taught them, the things you've instilled in them. This is where they have the opportunity to use that. Right. And I love something you said earlier, and it reminded me of this, that I love to remind parents and myself repeatedly. And it's don't worry that children aren't listening to what you say, worry that they're watching everything you do. Mm -hmm. And in this moment, we're going to get to see how much we've modeled for our kids working together, you know, because when we give them that opportunity to say, okay, if you want this and I want this, or you feel this way about this and I feel this way you know, what can we work out that will meet your needs and mine? And then let's work together to figure that out. Like actually work with your kids. And if you have to give a little and they have to give a little, like if you're both coming at it willing, willingly, you know, like, Hey, I'm willing to do this for you. And I'm willing to do this for you. That partnership with your teenager is amazing. And just a note, you still get to use your parenting skills here. Like you're still their parent. So if they're wanting to like stay out until three o'clock in the morning, you don't think that's the safest idea. It doesn't mean you have to let them do that. Like you're still their parent. We're talking about, you know, things where it's just like a preference or a matter of comfort or, you know what I mean? Something like that. But I still encourage parents to be the parents because I will say on that note that one of the things I hear from so many parents in my group, they sound like they think they need their children's permission to parent them. And I just really want to encourage your parents. One, you're not co-parenting with your children. And two, you don't need their permission to parent them. So like, you know, when we're talking about little things that, Hey, I wanted this for dinner, you wanted this, that's one thing. But when it comes to safety or something like that, you're still the parent number one. And you can, you can do that with love and with a lot of respect and consideration and see what, see what you can say yes to while still maintaining that, you know, parenting level of safety. I know that kind of went off a little. I just realized oh, that no, I it's, love it's, it. it's something that comes up so much. And I want parents sure. to know that when we're like working something out with our kids, we're still the parent. We're not working something out where it's like, yes, you can spend the night at your boyfriend's house, even though you're 16. Like if you're not comfortable with that, the answer is still no. And you're working out what you can agree upon within the parameters of what you feel is really doing your child the best service, right? Like where you're keeping them safe where you're making decisions for them that they're, you know, still developing brain is not yet capable of making, they still need you to step in for them there. Even if they're going to argue with you about it while you're doing it, they need you to step in for them there. So those are not the kind of like negotiations we're talking about. We're talking about, you know, more G-rated easy things. (laughs) I love that. The G-rated things. I really, (laughs) I really appreciate that distinction. I do. And it, it reminds me so much of why this work in conscious parenting. I mean, I've been in it for years, as you know, I'm a huge, huge supporter of it. Um, I've raised my own family through these principles. I work with others because in, in my lens on it, I think we all sort of have our specialties in it and come from different lenses, like with anything. And mine has always been the inner wounding piece. It's been the trauma healing. It's Mm -hmm. been the the emotional piece. Right. And the reason for it is exactly what you're talking about, because on the one level, 
you know, when, when something's going on and your teenager or your child at any age is upset, you know, what you just relayed is actually such a container of love and wisdom. If you, if you can hold that space and speak from peace, I mean, you can speak in the most loving, compassionate way while holding the clearest boundary right? For the highest good of your child being the parents, right? And showing up for them strongly. They need that. Even if it upsets them in the moment, if you haven't dealt with your own inner wounding and your own inner children, then someone Mm -hmm. else's emotional upset is going to trigger you and you're going to make it about you and you're not going to be able to handle it. And you're either going to capitulate and just, oh, go do whatever you want, get into permissive. So Mm -hmm. you don't have to feel your own emotional stuff, or you're going to get defensive, not understanding that you're reacting to your own stuff and not what's in front of you. So I think in everything you said, the piece for me was like, are you making it about you or are you Mm -hmm. really there? Right. Are you really there for the common goal? Are you really there as a parent or are you making it about you? And if you are making about you, how old are you? Which you, which you is right here. (laughs) Yes. So much. Yes. That's my soapbox about that. I (laughs) love it. Love it. Preach. Oh, important. It's so important, <laughs> right? Because like, why is it so important? It's so important for parents to heal the wounds from their own inner childhood, their own inner teenagehood, yes. if they want to have the best possible relationship with their own kids. Wouldn't you agree? Completely. That's one of the things that I say is that, you know, I actually just posted this in the group recently, that one of the most important things we can do for our kids is to mm-hmm. do our own inner healing, like, to work on ourselves. Because without working on ourselves, like my favorite analogy of it is like, you know, a cup that's really, really full. And you imagine if it's full of all of our own, you know, past pain and trauma and all the things that need healed. And that cup is like almost full to the brim. And then our Mm -hmm. child does one thing and it's like a drop of water in the cup. That one little drop overflows the cup. And not because that one little drop was anything that bad. It's just the cup already had all it could handle. You know, and so the important thing for us is to like empty that cup as much as possible. So our children have the space they need to just be the kids who are doing the things and learning and all that, right? Without us jumping down their throat because we're reacting to our own stuff from the past. Mm-hmm. I love that visual. That is super. I love it. It's great. So what do you feel is, you know, or what do you hear? What do you see most often? However, however you want to pull from it, but what do you feel that teenagers actually really want most from their parents? If you could shed light on that for anybody listening with teenagers in their lives, what is it they actually really want most? Oh, you know, I think they really just want to be seen and accepted and loved. Like they just want to know that they matter. Just like, it's like, see me, understand me, know that I'm not like, I'm not trying to make your life miserable. I'm just trying to figure out the world and figure out myself and how to be here and how to work through all these things, you know, and they're in the craziest stage of brain development at this age, you know, from like, Mm -hmm. let's say 13 to 25. I don't honestly know the age when it starts, but by the time they get to the teen years, they're in it. And the brain finishes developing around the age of 25. And And they look so grown up on the outside. They look like these little adults, but inside... Mm -hmm. They're just trying to figure things out and they, they need so much compassion. They're not little adults yet. They, in so many ways, they're mature. Yes, they can make their own sandwich. They can maybe even drive around and make their own school schedule. No, it's not like they're four, but they need our love and support now more than ever. And I think our kids just want us to remember, like they, they still need us to be their parents. They still need us 
to see them, to guide them, to love them, to help them, not like baby them, but like guide them through the things, teach them about things like, you know, Hey, when you do this, it kind of affects somebody else this way. What do you think about that? How, you know, just, they just, they just need us to continue being active in their lives. But sorry, I think that's like seven things, <laughs> but no, I think they really just want to be, you know, just like, see me, like, see me here as I am and love me as I am more than anything. Well, I think you're right. You know, I noticed that acceptance piece is, I mean, in our family, we say acceptance is our superpower and holding safe space mm-hmm. and understanding the yes. differences in communication, right, is just absolutely mm-hmm. key. And um, it, it's funny to me, you know, there's this old, this old saying that what you resist persists, right? I think we've heard mm-hmm. that for a gazillion yeah. years now. And I know yes. it's, it's, it's used in all these different circles, but I really use it in parenting because <laughs> when, when, when we resist something, we make it bigger than it needs to be. And yes. again, you know, understanding safety and, and, and walking that line, but understanding that asking questions instead of dominating a child, asking their thoughts on it, having open conversations yes. where doesn't that change everything? Like, don't you want the decision to come from your child? To come from yes. that, that a sovereign place where they're deciding for your, themselves, that's that's not the safest choice for me. And that's not the wisest choice for me. Instead of simply yes. choosing it out of some kind of resistance, rebellion, because they don't feel accepted or heard or safe, you know, at home mm-hmm. with the parents. I just find that yes. one of those, um, whatchamacallit's ironies, where it's funny, you know, it's, it's not quite reverse psychology, but it's close in that if you can just hold this loving space of compassionate acceptance, so much is held, so much is taken care of. Would you, would you agree? Just in that. Oh yeah. Just alone. Yeah. And then, then the actual work is much less, you know, you're still going to bump up against things. You're still going to have rough times. Uh, Welcome to life, right? Welcome to humanity. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Um, But we don't need to make it so much harder than it is. And we don't need to pile on stress. I feel, I feel like that's the number one, one thing. So, so, would you say that communication and not having that safe space and not feeling seen and heard is, could you, you know, reasonably say that's a significant source, if not the number one source of disconnection between parents and teens? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if our children can't speak and be heard, like really heard, you know, like mm-hmm. understood, like someone's actually making an effort to see where they're coming from and see it from their perspective and then work with them so that it, you know, is working for them. If they don't have that, then what do they do? You know, like, what are their options then? You know, where do they go to be seen and to be heard? And, you know, we can just think about even as adults, if you've ever had a boss who just is like a tyrannical boss that just dominates and tells you what to do and when to do it and how to do it and you better like it. Or if you don't, I don't care. How did, like, how well did you work for that boss? Like, were you happy to go to work and do what they asked? Or were you like, (laughs) you know, like just dragging and just, Mm-hmm. You know, how many parents out there have teenagers who are like, oh, the day I'm 18, I'm out of here. I had one like that, you know, so I know how, how to create that environment. I was the master at it, you know, and, you know, it's sad to say now, but I'm so glad we, we shifted out of that. But just think of an adult, like, how would you like to be talked to if someone's, you know, giving you instructions or telling you what an expectation or a rule is or a boundary, how would you want them to share that with you? You know, if, if another adult spoke to you the way you speak to your child, how would you feel? You know, or if another adult spoke to your kid the way you do, how would you feel? 
One of my favorite things that always kept me in check was would I speak to someone else's child this way? Oh, no. Why are you talking to your child that way? You know, like if your friend came over with their kid, would you be like, ah, you you wouldn't, you would just, you would speak to them with respect and kindness. Like they're a human being with feelings. Your child Mm -hmm. is a human being with feelings too. And that, that literally was always, I mean, since my kids were little and still to this day, when I'm listening to my kids that I use that as well, when I listen to someone else's kids, would I be in my head thinking, oh my God, I'm so sure. Yeah. Right. That's what you do. That's, what you know, no, like, cause sometimes we're already always listening. We already think we know what our kids mean or what they're saying, or we believe them or we don't because we know our kids. It's like, if you were listening to someone else's kid, would you be having these same thoughts? Are you paying attention? Are you really interested in what they're saying? And so that's just another way to listen and respond is sometimes pretend like they're not yours and notice the difference in how you would listen and how you would respond. And it can make a big difference. Mm-hmm. I love that piece of wisdom. Thank you for dropping that in here. It's so powerful and so true. I mean, if if someone was watching, would you still be doing what you're doing? Really? Simple, yes. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Very powerful. And, you know, well, there's a couple of things here. <laughs> I think that one of the other factors, and maybe we could speak to it for a quick minute, is really understanding the shift in in human needs. So, you know, without going into too much detail on it, we all have needs, right? We all have human Mm -hmm. needs, human needs, psychology is a wonderful thing. And many of us know a lot about it. And in a nutshell, it's that our behaviors, our habits, the way we think about things, our roles, our titles, everything going on in our lives serves to fulfill our human needs in one way or another, whether in the positive or in the negative, it's not very discerning. And I think that what I notice in one of the things that shifts as we move from, you know, our younger, our younger childhood years with our children to those teenage years is we didn't maybe realize how much of our human needs were getting met by that cute, snuggly, little, gorgeous little creature there that mm-hmm. looked up at you, you know, the world yeah. around you, all those things. And so, you know, those, those feelings of security and love and connection and significance mm-hmm. and contribution and all those needs that go met. I think that when the teenage years come about and now we are, we are going into the need from the teenager's perspective of autonomy, of brain development, of being able to test boundaries, of being wired into our emotional limbic system instead of our logic, like all these things are happening. And now if we take it personally and we don't understand and observe that our needs are not going to be met in the same way as when our kids were younger, I think that leads to us feeling rejected a little bit, feeling uncertain, Mm. feeling like our needs aren't getting met. And I've noticed yeah. that that creates impact if we don't become aware of that and actually unhook from that, right? What's probably become a default state by now and get really clear that this, this child is a being, a sovereign being, not the source yes. of our this, that, or the other thing, right? But we're in relation yes. with them. Does that, does that resonate with you? Does that pop for you? In your yes, experience? so much. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I feel it's really important. And I always like to speak to it because it's nothing. um, I don't think it's very intentional. I think most of us are just really unconscious about it. And again, Mm -hmm. that's the emotional piece. I mean, for me, in my experience, and what I've seen with others, there's like a grieving period that has to happen between a lot of stages. You know, I know parents that grieve the right, the baby to the toddler years, that's a whole Mm -hmm. different everything. 
And then toddler to maybe school age or when hormones start kicking in, puberty, all these stages. Yes. They're really different beings. And I feel like um, part of the consciousness and conscious parenting is being awake and aware. And maybe even, I mean, do you ever look into sort of ceremony or ritual or sort of, you know, rites of passage, even just in your own space as a parent is marking these times and maybe grieving old, right? Dynamics of the relationship and coming and stepping into the new one. Does that, do you ever do stuff like that? Yes. Yeah. You know, as our oldest two have just moved out of the house, they're 18 and 19. And that was a really big deal. And just kind of taking a moment to, you know, or separately, but especially getting to do that together was really huge. And just having conversations to really acknowledge, you know, where they are in their lives and to celebrate that. And also just being honest that, you know, hey, I'm so excited for you. And there's a part of me that's still really sad for losing this part of you, even though I'm excited for what, how our relationship is evolving and what's coming next. So just being really honest with the kids so they could kind of recognize like, hey, if if I'm struggling to let go and I'm holding on a little too tight here, no, I'm really trying hard to let go. And it's, you know, it's my love for you that has me holding on and it's my love for you that has me letting go. And, you know, just sort of um, just really being honest in the communication and conversation around that. So they know that, you know, I am so excited for you and my heart is just a little bit tender right now as I watch you change so rapidly. And I don't know, like you growing up and, and fleeing the nest, you know, flying out on your own was the whole point of raising you. Like, this is obviously where we knew we were going. This was no surprise. But now that we're here, I, I'm, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's a little harder than I thought, you know, <laughs> so just I think letting the kids know sometimes our process, like us understanding it ourselves And I love how you call it a grieving process, because I think most parents who have, you know, teared up looking at their children's pictures as babies now when they're toddlers or in elementary Mm -hmm. school or at any age, you know, when we look back at home movies or if we're just recognizing any part of our heart that's hurting, I think grieving is the perfect word to describe how that feels. And if the parents are aware as they're going into that stage, it can really help them give themselves a lot of compassion and a lot of grace for what's coming. Um, and so then when it happens, they're not as shocked by it. They're not, it's not like taking them by surprise. Mm, I love that weave. I mean, we're right back to where we started, right? It is yeah. navigating the shock. There is so much shock involved in all of this. And how do we create containers of grace and compassion for ourselves within ourselves first, so that we can do that within our relationships with our children and our households at large? I agree. And I love how you're relaying that you just, it's about holding both. It's about being mm-hmm. excited for what's here now and, and grieving what is no longer here. I mean, it's both. Yeah. And if we repress yes. one, you know, or run away from one or overemphasize one, then yeah, we're not being in honesty about that. Oh, I could talk to you all day. I just love you. Okay. Before we, <laughs> <laughs> before we wrap up a little bit, I just want to ask you, you know, I know how passionate you are about really helping parents and, and teenagers, especially connect even more deeply. I mean, we talked about busting this myth, right? That it's not possible to turn your relationship around with your teenagers or that it's not possible to enjoy parenting through the teenage years. What do you want to say? Like if I'm listening right now and I'm a parent and I'm in a bit of a tough spot, you know, what is the number one game changer that I need to know to, to really have some faith and start walking in the direction of, of deepening and reconnecting with my teenager? You know, the most empowering thing that I can offer is that 
your teenager doesn't have to do anything different for this change to be possible. The power is actually all within you as the parent. And the example that I usually give give is if you have like a machine that's working, you know, pretty well, you can change one piece in that machine and it affects the way the whole rest of the machine works, right? Because you've got this one new part and now it falls in place with all the other ones. And that's the same as when you do the work on the parent, when the parent themselves shows up and does this work, that changes the, the dynamic in the entire family. Like my situation is a perfect example. I struggled with my son so hard and I did not think we could turn our relationship around. I just knew once he turned 18, he would leave. He'd probably never want to talk to me again. I did not blame him. I would be relieved for him to just go. And it broke my heart. I would literally cry myself to sleep at night. Like whoever wants their kid to leave, even though I really didn't want him to leave, but I kind of did because it was just so hard every day. And I was like, man, if he would just change, if he would just do this, if he would just stop getting on my nerves, if he would stop, you know, and he didn't do anything different. When I changed the environment I created that my sweet boy was really just responding to. And so all this stuff I didn't like that I saw in him was just his response to the way I had been treating him. And when I did the work and the healing in me and I responded to him differently, I created a different environment. And I just, I saw him differently and I saw myself differently once I could kind of heal that pain. Just me doing the work is what changed everything. And so if that provides any relief, like, because some people will say, well, I don't think my kid will ever go for this. Your kid doesn't have to nothing. You (laughs) actually have the power to change all of this. Yes. I feel like there should be a big old choir coming in now. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it feels when it happens. (laughs) Drop the mic. All right. Uh-huh. I think that is the perfect note and place to wrap. Desiree, what a super great conversation. Your energy is such a gift. I just love you. I love your passion. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. I just adore you so much. And I'm so excited just to share this message with other parents because I know oh. what, what this change did for me and my family. And I just want people to know this so is possible for you too. Mm-hmm. Oh, beautiful. Thank you. All right, folks. And thank you all for being here with us too. I hope today's episode serves your beautiful soul and helps to inspire you to go hug a teenager in your life. Uh, Your own inner teenager is a perfect place to start. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) And maybe if you're feeling ready to enjoy connecting with some new friends and community, I hope to see you over in the Superpower Universe at one of the many awesome gatherings going on over there. Please go on Mm. over to superpowerexperts.com for all the info as well as the access links to join in. And until next time, keep unlocking your own superpowers of the soul and put them into service, building a life and a world you love. Much love and many blessings. Bye for now, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. Go now to superpowerexperts.com to unlock your superpowers and change your life today.